Welcome to Sparking Wholeness, where we talk all things related to nutrition for mind, body, and soul. I'm your host, Erin Carey. I'm a survivor of bipolar disorder and a self-proclaimed nutrition nerd who loves asking why. As a certified integrative nutrition health coach, my goal is to help people find balance, and I want to help you find ways to spark wholeness in your life. For more information, check out sparkingwholeness.com or on the Instagram handle, Sparking Wholeness. And now, get ready for today's awesome show. Hey everyone, it's Erin Carey, and we have such a good show for you today. We are going to be discussing all things kids' health. But before we get into that, I definitely want to give a shout out to our sponsor. Today's podcast is sponsored by Forager Project. Forager is spelled F O R A. G-E-R. Now, this is a family-owned and operated company, and they craft 100% organic, dairy-free yogurt, kefir, milk, and sour cream using their hero ingredient, organic cashews. This makes all of the products that I've tried so creamy, so delicious. I love adding the sour cream into soup to thicken it up a little bit. I love adding it into sauces that I'm making because it just really adds that creaminess without the dairy. So only for our podcast listeners, Forager is offering a limited offer coupon for a free cup of yogurt at www.foragerproject.com slash cultivate health. While you're there, you can check out hundreds of delicious and easy to make dairy-free recipes. Now, I'm going to spell that out for you in case you need to see it spelled out in your head, and that is www.foragerproject.com slash cultivate health. Go grab your coupon for a free cup of delicious yogurt and check out everything else while you're there. Now, let's get back to today's episode. Today, I am super thrilled to have Reed Davis back on the show. He is a board-certified holistic health practitioner, certified nutritional therapist. He is an expert in functional lab testing and holistic lifestyle medicine. He is also the founder of the Functional Diagnostic Nutrition and the Functional Diagnostic Nutrition Certification course. He has helped thousands and thousands of people. And I am just so excited to have him on the show. And we are going to cover the topic of kids health. I often get questions about this. So I can't wait. Reed, thank you so much for being on the show again. Well, thank you so much for having me here. It's an honor to be here. It's it, this is going to be a good one because like I said, I have so many people saying, Hey, have you ever done a pod- podcast on ADHD? Can you do one? Um, and I, it's just very timely. I think our kids right now are struggling. They're struggling with all the changes that are happening in the world and trying to find their place in it. And I'd love to just talk about how to get to root to the root of some of these things and what your approach can do for kids. So just getting started, why do you think we are seeing you know, such a growing number of kids with attention issues, with asthma, you know, all of these kind of chronic illnesses that we talk about, they seem to be on the rise. Have you noticed that? Well, I sure have. You know, the, I started way back 20 years ago and I never thought I would really work with kids, but it, it worked out pretty good for us. But I I think, you know, just the environment is just continues to be a downward spiraling condition on the planet. And we're just being bombarded with all kinds of uh, negative influences and uh, especially around diet and things like that. And um, kids are just really sensitive and they, they catch stuff, you know, also with all the things going on with the immune system, um, you know, lots of assaults and attacks on our immune systems and things. So generally just health is not as good. I'm really sorry to say that I've, I've heard uh, many from many places, sources uh, that, that just health is down. People aren't living as long, so we're just we're seeing the manifestations of an unhealthy planet and population and uh, environment, and just trying to do our best to work against that. You know, educate people and and uh, but yeah, I, I see it. There's no shortage of business <laughs> during the health business. That is so true. And, you know, I did read somewhere that they said that this generation of kids will be the first generation to not live as long as their parents' generation. I I remember reading that somewhere and going, wow. 
Yeah, what a shame, you know, and, and yet anti-aging is, is a big movement, you know, so mm -hmm. the people in their 40s and 50s are getting it, you know, and, and, you know, I'm in, I'm closer to 70 than 60. So uh, it's really huge. And, and we see that with the advances in science, we should be able to, I mean, all the science points that we could live to be 120. Mm -hmm. Most people say, well, why would I want to do that? <laughs> because they anticipate being unhealthy when they're older. You know, they just people are just suspecting it. And and nowadays, uh, you know, in society, uh, symptoms are considered normal, like like severe bad symptoms, like um, you know, even conditions like you mentioned, the ADD and ADHD and things. They're getting more you know, popular, as you might say. Uh, people are just yeah. accepting it. Oh, yeah, my kid is, too. And, you know, and, and just as if it's normal, you know, and it's not normal. It's never normal. There's no normal symptom. All these conditions are abnormal, ab, ab, you know, aberrant conditions, and um, we, you know, that's why people like you and I are needed to to get the message out. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and I love this. So I'm so excited we are getting into this. How how do you think? You know, if we're talking asthma, ADD, ADHD, um, even I think anxiety is also on the rise in kids. How does nutrition play a role in in these things? How do you see nutrition playing a role? It's a huge, huge role, and all all lifestyle is is a factor. But if you want, if you want to pick on that one, first of all, I want to go back just a little bit and say that when I grew up, there was no ADD, ADHD. There was kids who were a little hyperactive or um, slow. The opposite, you know. Why don't we call that a condition? There's kids who are just kind of couch potatoes. They never bother anybody. They sort of sit and pay attention and do their work and, you know, um, but then there's these kids with a little more activity, a little more uh, stimulation maybe from various sources, but there wasn't any such thing. There was no such thing as a diagnosis of ADD, ADHD. I think it was in 85 or thereabouts, um, maybe even later, that um, that condition was voted into existence by um, the American Association of Psych uh, Psychiatry. It was just that kids were showing up with sort of some kind of interference, irritation, and uh, they labeled it and came up with the treatment for it. It's called, back then it was mostly Ritalin. Now it's, it's, it's other things. So there's been a diagnosis and treatment plan offered by medicine, like psychiatry for quite a while now, but I personally have never accepted it as a true medical condition. It is a cluster of symptoms that's labeled this or that, but um, you know, we need to take a, a broader view than just the one offered by, by that diagnosis. That's my opinion. But, um, and food's huge. I mean, if people wanted to, uh, to do a little research on the early, early research and, and thoughts about um, ADD and ADHD, look up Ben Feingold, Ben Feingold. He was the first one to call out physicians uh, 30 years ago that, um, hey, this is just a matter of uh, the diet and lack of exercise and conditioning from television and electromagnetic frequencies, all kinds of other in interferences, and uh, came up with a plan that was very successful back then. Of course, his voice has been um, uh, sort of squashed a bit by the, by the volume of, mm. of uh, you know, standard medicine approaches. And then schools got in on the game. Schools started uh, getting extra money from the government for kids labeled with ADD and ADHD. So what do you think happened to the referrals uh, with, for kids who are misbehaving? You know, they get paid more money uh, yeah. for, for those kids. And so I got to tell you this, that 20 years ago, I was in the office, very early days of me doing my research in the office. I ran thousands of labs on thousands of people and made my own discoveries and observations along with what was considered alternative medicine practitioners back then, some real geniuses, some real pioneers. And I was in, in, in the game, so to speak, with them. Now, the, the first person ever brought me, because I didn't think much of kids. I, I raised some kids and, you know, everybody's fine. I coached kids. You know, I had, I had a football team for 15 years, you know, youth sport. I, I dealt with some, some behavior problems, um, but we had a different way. We had something called discipline. That seems to take care of most of it, you know, but but I know I know there are some real things going on there uh, in the brain and nervous system and stuff. I'm not poo-pooing that there isn't something going on, 
but this one lady, uh, she was coming in our office and I was helping her lose some weight and get more energy and sleep better and clearer thinking, you know, and, and this stuff, you know, sort of mild uh, generalized complaints. She was feeling so much better that she said, hey, um, do you work with kids? And I thought, well, yeah, I work with kids. I've raised some and I coach football and I work a lot with kids. And, and she goes, no, I mean, I mean, uh, you know, like as clients, you know, well, yeah, sure. What's what's the problem? She goes, well, my this is about 20 years ago. My uh, son was I was told, you know, they're calling me from school saying he has, has ADD and ADHD and whatever, and they want to put him on drugs. They want him to go see a doctor and get put on drugs. And I, what's really going on, it was just, he wasn't paying attention enough to the teacher. He was paying attention to other things, but not that. And uh, of course I said, I don't know if I can help or not, but let's do some of our basic lab work. You know, that's what I do. And sure enough, I give you my word, within three weeks, the principal of the school called me. He had asked for her, my phone number from the mom and said, what the hell, what do you put Billy on? And we hadn't put him on anything. You know, wow. what we've done is some uh, sensitivity testing and got him off of certain foods. So that's the full circle back to the question you asked. I want to tell you that food is incredibly important and really it's nutrition. Nutrition is important. We're meant to be fed good whole foods, natural foods that, uh, that uh, give, give our bodies what they need, genetically speaking. You know, we're designed perfectly. Every cell, tissue, organ, and system is designed, has an intelligence within. It's actually the same intelligence that takes food and turns it into people. You know, how you think you got from being born at, you know, one pound to 200 pounds. It was food. Your body knew what to do with it. It has a built-in intelligence to deal with it. And so I, I'll tell you another really quick story, just how important this is. Um, this is much later, of course, but I was talking to a, and she was a, a client as well. She was a principal of five different charter schools. So this was a chain of charter schools, private schools uh, for kids. And she went to one each day of the week. She had five, five of these. She was the principal. And she would sit in on disciplinary meetings where it'd be a parent-teacher conference with the kid there. And the principal would sit in. And she said to me, you know, read. She goes, because we were talking about this. She goes, it's absolutely amazing. She started asking the kids who were there for whatever the discipline thing was, what do you have for breakfast? And what percentage do you think said that they ate some sugary cereal? 98, 98%. <laughs> uh, uh, that's a fantastic guess. It was 100%. Oh, I believe it. 100%. Yeah. So they were, they were doing Pop-Tarts or, you know, Fruit Loops or, you know, some, some ridiculously unhealthy thing with lots of sugar and, uh, you know, food coloring and chemicals, preservatives, you know, all the things they put on food, herbicides, pesticides, rodenticides, and so on and so on. And that's what they were eating. So we, we won't say that that's the cause or the sole cause of their, but there's a really high correlation between eating crap and having a brain that doesn't function perfectly. It's just as simple as that. Mm -hmm. You know, I, this is, it's interesting you mentioned that because this summer, you know, and this was kind of part of the or it wasn't even the summer, it was right when everything closed down here. I'm in Texas and the schools were giving out free lunches for kids. My kids and I, we were going to go to a park and I was like, well, cool. We'll go by the local school, grab one of the lunches, go to the park, have a picnic lunch. This will be fun. Just something different. Well, when I saw what they gave the kids in the free lunch, I counted up the grams of sugar in that lunch. And I am not even kidding. There were over 110 grams of sugar in that lunch. And they included like some breakfast items too, but I'm thinking about that's what five days worth of sugar for kids at, at, at the sure. most. Right. But that yeah. is, that's what schools are providing. And so not to knock, you know, I was a teacher for a long time and I schools are up against a lot, you know, and especially right now, but wow. I mean, then we question why our kids aren't performing and they can't concentrate and they are struggling to get their work done. And it's, yeah and obese, I, I, and obese right you know, right it's yeah 
when you were talking, I was when you said, you know, sort of how many, you know, grams you were adding it up in my head, I said, it's going to be like 40 or 50, which is would be way too much. And when you said over 100, over 100, I'm, I'm blown away. Well, yeah. there are seven, there are seven grams of sugar, seven full grams. That's 7,000 milligrams. That's a lot. There's seven full grams of sugar in one teaspoon. So if you get a heaping teaspoon of sugar, that's seven grams. So over a hundred is over, you know, what, 12, 13 teaspoons full of sugar. Would you give your kid that much sugar? Would you let them eat that? That's like multiple tablespoons, right? Yeah. And so, no, you'd never let your kid do that. But you, but people let their kids eat that equivalent in these horrible things like, um, look, I'm not the Grinch that stole Christmas, you know, but it's things like, you know, cake and cookies and, and um, candy even, and uh, stuff you see in the machines at school. And I'm so glad you raised the issue of schools because those, the meals at schools are controlled by usually registered dietitians. That's who does the food selection for schools. And we kind of stay away from schools doesn't mean we don't help kids or work with parents, but as an institutions, the, the, the registered dietitians have sewed up institutional food. So at uh, hospitals, at schools, at these um, government uh, regulated type of things, only a registered dietitian can uh, make the menu plans up and meal plans and stuff like that. And in certain states, they have more control than others. They, they're, they're, it's, you know, it's a highly regulated thing, institutional food. And they are backed, this is just a sort of a known thing in the industry, they're backed by the companies like General Mills, who makes cereal, uh, Coca-Cola, um, Hershey's, which makes all kinds of yeah. things like that. And so they've even, in the state of Florida, the, the lobbyists for these companies who have largely sort of um, been the main influencers over registered dietitians, um, they had pizza approved as a vegetable for school meals in Florida. Now, now pizza is not on any list of vegetables I've ever seen in my entire life, except for in Florida where it's considered, it's okay, but you know, with ketchup and, and these kinds of things, and they're just reclassifying stuff. It, and it's, um, I think we need to be more aware of it. You ask why people are getting unhealthier. It's because of who's making some of these decisions and people that want monopolies and school lunches are an incredibly profitable, huge yeah. industry. Now I know this isn't a consumer advocate um, podcast. So we're really here to educate. <laughs> it's good information. Positive, but, but you know, you started it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it is, but I do, I it's, it is good information. And I think it's something, I don't think most people are aware of that. And so <laughs> um, you mentioned, let's go back to the test because you mentioned, I think that's really something interesting too. I'd be interested to know how many kids are being labeled with some of these things and really they have a food sensitivity or they, they have something that they're reacting to in their environment that is causing all sorts of dysfunction internally. And so maybe you could, what are, what are some things to look out for? Well, I certainly food sensitivities loom very, very, very large. You know, the foods that we start off, if you just started off with whole food, you know, there's this movement, J-E-R-F, JERF, just eat real food, you know? So you're talking about things that you would find on the perimeter of stores, the fresh vegetables, the, the meats and, and and if they do dairy, you know, and the, the eggs and, and all the stuff that's just sort of off the farm, you know, farm to table type eating is generally good for you versus, you know, when compared with what's on the aisles in between, you know, all the stuff in bags and boxes, it's full of preservatives and, and highly processed and full of sugar and, you know, words you can't pronounce, you know, ingredients where you can't pronounce the name and you have no clue what that stuff mm -hmm. is. Um, I grew up eating my grand, both my grandfathers were growers and we ate their food like a lot. And it didn't mean my mom didn't go shopping, but she was, she was really selective and they didn't have all the stuff, the chemicals and things back in those days, but not, not quite the way they do today. But um, you have to start there 
with with whole food and you have to start with an understanding of food like protein fat and carbs the macronutrients to be as simple as that it's a known factor that you know kids are getting obese they're way uh consuming way too many uh processed carbohydrates if you started with not only real food but more protein good high quality fats and then less refined carbohydrates be a good place to start then, then you can start elimination because there are sensitivities. Um, I don't remember that boy I was telling you about uh, who the principal called and said, would you put Billy on it? We got him off a lot of foods and uh, because we ran the right testing and, you know, but they, they were, um, uh, and there were and some, some food colorings and some condiments that were mixed in there. But, um, you know, you, you, that's why you have to test. You don't know what, you know what it is but if you started with the real foods like i just said um up the protein the really good high quality fats almost zero you know refined carbohydrates if not zero you know complex carbohydrates are much better obviously your vegetables and, and small amounts of fruit and things like that you, you natural food um but then you can eliminate the big five the big five are eggs soy corn uh, dairy and wheat, you know, even most grain, eggs, soy, eggs, soy, corn, dairy, and wheat. Um, that'd be a good place to start. And there's lots of other good food that's nutritious. And I and I'm sorry if you're a parent who just wants the kids be happy and not complain. You're you're going to have to set some examples, and you're going to have to uh, have some discipline in your home, or you know your kid could end up on drugs. Now, I'm not um, being mean, you know, I just feel that someone sometimes has to be the adult in the room, and, <laughs> you know, and sometimes it's me. I, I mean, I, I love having fun and, and the joy and everything that comes from having happy kids, but it doesn't mean that you have to um, give them everything they want whenever they want it. Yeah, right? I, I, oh, that, that's really good. And I'm glad you mentioned it's so funny. I, I often say, I'm not worried about my kids getting carbs. They are going to figure out a way to get carbs. You know, like that is for kids these days, they will get that. They'll find them, but good quality protein and good quality fat. That is something I have to search for and make sure I'm intentional about and vegetables, right? Like, I mean, just <laughs> making sure they have vegetables because kids will go for the, that's the first thing they're going to go for those carbs, that quick, and I, you know, and it's funny in different kids, I'd be interested to know even like the dopamine connection with sugar and carbs and, and all of that in kids, because I have one child who <laughs> loves thrill rides. He loves like, you know, jumping off of scary things and he loves sugar and can never get enough of it. And so I just sure. think there's something, I, I just wonder about the dopamine connection or what goes on there. Kids who are just I mean, are, is it possible for a kid to be addicted to sugar? What, what do you do with something like that? Yeah, you know, and yes, and it leads to other um, addictions too. So, you know, the, um, the thing I want to say about that, like dopamine or whether it's serotonin or any of the other neurotransmitters, they're made from amino acids, which means protein. So protein um, basically is where you get, which it would be meats, you know, and, you know, people who are vegetarians can get lots of protein. So I'm not like just against vegetarianism per se, but it's just so much easier. And we're, and we're well designed to uh, digest and absorb uh, protein if, you know, you chew it up. So things like beef and pork chops and salmon and lean, you know, chicken um some people actually do very well in the dark meat better i could teach you a trick about that but um and then there's other things that have protein too if you can tolerate them cheese and uh beans and seeds and um even rice i mean just rice and beans alone has all 22 essential amino acids but um for for most people in north america it wouldn't be high in enough in purine content so that that's a different discussion but just you need your amino acids the amino acid behind dopamine is tyrosine so that's just one of the you know you could actually take some tyrosine and up your dopamine um and there's other um you know there's l-tryptophan which turns into serotonin so there's lots of things you can take 
but nothing's more important than diet. You should get most of it from food as long as your digestive system is working well. So you have to be able to break down and absorb food. And we know that in adults, they have very poor uh, breakdown and assimilation of food. Many are just absolutely malnourished because food passes right through them without being properly absorbed. And just because they have weak digestive systems and dysbiosis and, and all these other things. But um, kids are not um, free from that too. You know, kids that have taken a lot of antibiotics, they, they, get, they get a dysbiosis and then other things that are very opportunistic can come along to that environment in the gut now that's more friendly to them, parasites and bacteria and fungus and what have you. And we find it in kids all the time. Mm -hmm. So it's always a combination. I, I, I'm first, you know, I'm not a physician. I'm an expert in functional lab work and natural protocols. That's different. And so I don't diagnose or treat any specific thing, like even ADD, ADHD, that's a medical diagnosis. I just look at people like, well, you've got some unwanted symptoms or behavior or appearance factors, some things you want to change. So let's see what's really are the underlying issues. And diet, it, it, you know, it, it's, it's number one, along with probably stress reduction, finding out what the interfering uh, components are your constituents and and food is a huge inner you know it's part of the diet but it's also a great stressor you know it can really upset a nervous system and then guess what kind of behavior you get yeah i, I would love for you to expand a little bit on that the the nervous system and and how can we you know how can the parents listening what can we do to help support a healthy nervous system what are we doing to disrupt it um maybe you could touch on that or even get into the gut health topic, you know, I, like you just said, because I think that that that's a really good point. That's I, I like that. Mm -hmm. Well, there, there, are, um, you know, kids are very sensitive more than adults and they don't know what's going on and they can't tell you for the most part, they do think it's normal to have, you know, like this is just the way I am, you know, and they, they can't pay attention to teachers especially when the teacher doesn't care what they're teaching about. You know, I, I, I think that there has to be some blame put there or at least some responsibility put there that, that people are teaching a subject that they don't have much love for. And I can always pick those teachers out. I can certainly spot them today when I, cause I, I do a lot of continuing education and I can tell if this is someone who just works for a company and that's their job or someone who's passionate about it. And, I can focus on a passionate person who cares about what they're speaking about. And, you know, if they're kind of just doing it because it's their job, then I can sense that too. And then, then I don't pay as much attention. It's kind of a weird thing. So I think there's some responsibility on, on the teachers. There's a tremendous, maybe most of the rest of the responsibility is on the parents to make observations. And there's things you can look at, or, or tell just by looking at your kids, like, do they have any kind of outward symptoms on their body? Do their ears turn red? Do they get, we, see, we have what we call allergic shiners, you know, people, kids with literally blue bags under their eyes. And oh, well, that's just the way it goes, you know, until they maybe start sneezing and coughing and, and um, they're pale and they have no energy. And um, then they also start to misbehave at school. So now you're getting the squeaky wheel syndrome where like, oh, now you're misbehaving at school too. And it's really is up to the parents and it, it's, a, it's a hell of a responsibility. Again, I've raised a few and uh, coached an awful lot of them and had many for clients. And uh, it, it does require some teamwork and things, but um, the brain is just one more really sensitive part of any person and, and with kids they don't have a um, long history to reflect upon. You know, they don't remember feeling different. They just have always been that way. Maybe, you know, maybe. And uh, they can't, you can't ask them like, well, when did you start to feel this way? They just, I don't know, you know. <laughs> so, so it's, it's going to be up to the parents to watch for signs and symptoms that, that might precede uh, those uh, complaints from the teachers and uh, administrators at schools and things like that. And um, certainly uh, behavior at home, poking even at their brothers and sisters, siblings, um, 
you know, kind of misbehaving or just not paying attention, um, you know, disrupting outbursts, all these kinds of things are, um, could be going on. And um, you might notice it, it's, it's a little hard, but sometimes you can tell after they ate a certain food. And so if you start really doing an elimination diet, like really just say, hey, no matter what, it's going to be all fresh prepared meals. That's hard for parents today. It's so much easier to buy a box of crab and give them a bowl, a bowl and, a, you know, and, and that's what they love because the manufacturers have scientifically made it really delicious. <laughs> it's full of salt and, and, and sugar and, you know, things that satisfy the palate. They don't satisfy nutritional requirements. They satisfy the palate. And they could, you know, give you a short burst of energy and things like that, too. Um, so you, you're just going to have to really pay attention. And um, I think, you know, uh, again, today, you, you mentioned a couple of times how, how rough it is on, on parents. You know, we've got, you know, uh, an epidemic, which is becoming an endemic. The difference between a pandemic and endemic is in an endemic everyone gets it everyone gets it and everyone is going to get covid they're going to be exposed to it and at least and some will get it really mild and some will get it and it kills them um fortunately the latter it's only about less than half a percent of the population and it's like almost zero kids like like point zero 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 nine kids or something like that but but still um there is a lot of stress raising kids today and saying that you need to go back to nature and you need to go back to the old fashioned ways is just unpalatable for a lot of parents. It is, but it's, so that's, so you get what you get, either you do it and because you're going to get the natural consequences of one type of behavior or the other. If you drink and smoke all your life, you're going to end up with emphysema and a fatty liver. That's just the consequences. You, you can't really avoid them. Um, if you eat, give your kids sugary cereal for breakfast every morning and donuts for dessert at night, you're going to get the consequences of that. But if you, if you I don't want to say care enough because people care about their kids. They, they love their kids no matter what. And they, would, they say they would do anything. Um, and yet they either don't know what to do or just can't, when they hear what it is, uh, you know, it's too much. It's too much to manage. It's also expensive. You know, real food costs more. So you have to dedicate a larger portion of your uh, yeah. resources, including time and money to, time. yeah, time and money to food preparation um, or join a co-op. Or I'm very fortunate to be in a situation where I can order food in. We, we have a natural, like gluten-free you know, low sugar, uh, high food nutrition, high, he calls it high vibration foods. So I have that delivered nice. at least four or five of my meals per week. Then we make, we make the rest as fresh as we possibly can, but that's tough. It is. And, and I think, you know, and I do think parents it's, it's that whole, like, well, I, I don't have time. This is stressful. And a lot of the parents, a lot of my generation of parents, we were raised on boxed food, packaged food, right? Like that's how we grew up on the mac and cheese and the hamburger helper and the credit to my mom. I didn't so much, but <laughs> I think that, and then we weren't really taught except in call, you know, go to college, eat your ramen soup and kind of have to figure it out for yourself. And so I've had to figure it out for myself and I've had to build in all of these little hacks, but it does take a little bit of time and depending on stress levels and what's going on in our fast paced lives, it's, it's tricky. You know, it's hard to make that time to do it. You know, the truth is lifestyle is the medicine that works. It, it's guaranteed to work. At least there are very, very reasonable expectations that if you've lived yourself into a problem, which most disease today is chronic stress-related disorders, uh, stress is the reason for 70 to 80% of all doctor's visits. And it's the direct cause of half of the true illnesses uh, we have. And so um, that's lifestyle disease created disease. So lifestyle medicine has to be the, the right answer. 
and it does take dedication and and uh, and time. You know, um, I got up at four o'clock this morning, went for my walk in the dark, and then got in my sauna. You know, so by you know five fifteen, I'm taking a shower and getting ready for my work, and I've already done some self work. So getting up in the morning now, and, and this by the way leads us somewhere because every time a parent came in with a kid and well, my kid's misbehaving or my, my kid is a, then I'd look at the parent and they got a, you know, a can of Coke in their hand or something like that. Like they, they're not setting a good example. So if you want to really make ADD and ADHD a thing that you are you're part of, you really just work with the parents. It's, it's really it, kids don't write checks, you know, they don't make good clients for that reason. <laughs> I'm kidding. Totally kidding. You know, but I mean, it's the parents who are going to make the choices for them and, and, uh, and devote the resources and stuff. And their own time is, is a huge one. You might have to get up an hour earlier and go to bed an hour late, uh, an hour earlier. You know, you're not going to miss any sleep. Matter of fact, the better example you set for your kids by going to bed early and, you know, because we're diurnal, we're not nocturnal, but we're being fed, you know, given lots of reasons to stay up and watch TV mm -hmm. and we're getting dumbed down. I'm throwing a lot at you. I don't know if it's, you know, it's not really a mood I'm in or anything. Just, <laughs> you are a little you know, fired up, I think, today. <laughs> yeah, well, you remember, if you go back and watch last time, I, he, he didn't seem so serious last time. And I, <laughs> But when it comes to kids, you know, it truly is a different animal for me. You know, that's where you get my hackles up, man, because mm -hmm. they are so innocent and don't have, it's just like people being mean to animals. I, I hate that, you know, like when, you know, and when they're not treating their kids right, it, it really gets my, it raises my ire. Yeah, I agree. And just, just out of my own personal parenting experience, I had my third baby really struggled with a lot of issues and I had to advocate for him. And I had to do some hard things and we had to eliminate a lot of things from our house. That was hard for me in the process. You know, I learned how beneficial it is and, and, and it, we've continued a lot of those habits today, but it took going through something really hard with my kid to kind of wake me up to a lot of things. And, and I think for many parents, I would hope that some of these, you know, like you mentioned, like seeing these symptoms, instead of saying, what's wrong with my kid? Why is he acting like that? Like, mm -hmm. wait a minute, what's, what's actually going on? What's underneath all of that? How can I take a step back and see what is he not getting nutritionally? What is he not getting emotionally? You know, and, and I want to touch back on, you said at the very, very beginning, you were talking about um, the uh, screens, right? Electromagnetic frequencies. Like we are getting so much with the Wi-Fi and the screens and the blue lights and the like, what is that doing to our kids' brains and bodies, you know? Well, we know it's not good for them and uh, that it leads to some of these diagnoses like ADD, ADHD. Um, it's exciting and overstimulating their nervous systems. And yet the experiment isn't over. <laughs> you know, like we're really kind of like rats in a maze. We're the rats as um, commercial interests and look, I'm a businessman. I'm all for making a profit and, and all these things. But um, there's some products and, and things on the, on the market where there's no safety checks, especially chemicals. I would say uh, along with the, the, the TV and the devices and things that could be just destroying their nervous systems, you've got, um, you've got that too, you know, so, so we're being bombarded with assaults on our nervous system, our immune system, our digestive system, our detoxification systems, our, uh, especially when it comes to the nervous system, um, some of that damage could be irreversible, especially when you start adding drugs into the mix. Like, you know, what's worse, the disease or the cure? Because now you're getting kids uh, set up and, and a lot of parents are already set up to believe that it, the answer's in a pill in a, in a little, little prescription, you know, so it becomes this, um, unending consumerism of, of, of so-called healthcare. And it's so, so they're into consumerism of, 
whatever they're dishing out on TV that I, I, I look at some of the kids watch, I can't stand it for five seconds later. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not watching because it's so neurotic. It's just neurotic. Yes. Yes. Um, and I don't want to seem like the old guy, but we were kids. We just wanted to laugh and, and it was all real people stuff. It was situations and, you know, like, like, you know, little rascals and, you know, the three stooges and stuff. Um, and it wasn't as excitatory and there was kind of some kind of real stuff. There were morals to it. I watched uh, Gunsmoke and The Rifleman and stuff with very moralistic stuff. Maybe that's all still in there with those, uh, <laughs> but but the, the, the way they, you know, keep your attention and things, I, I don't, I just don't see what the point of most of it is. But um, so I'm talking about consumerism, um, especially when it comes to the little boxes. Like I go over to a friend of mine's house fairly often just to stop by. We're, we, I live out in the country, so neighbors are far and few between. And we, we know each other. We take care of each other. We borrow each other's tractors and stuff like that. And, um, you know, his kids are always, always on the computer. Like not, I've never been there and they weren't on their computers hours and hours at a time. And again, the experiment's not over. So you can, there can be those um, people usually having some connection to selling that stuff that say it's perfectly fine, it's safe in, in moderation, you know, but it's not being done in moderation. And there's, there's no studies on the safety that I know of. You know, it's, we're the rats in the maze. And the same thing with the chemicals. Probably shouldn't get started on that. But no, they are. Go ahead. I'd love it. Yeah. Neurotoxic. Yeah. Well, there, there are um, probably close to 100,000 chemicals being dumped in the environment and only a small fraction, maybe just a few hundred. Have ever had any tests on them to see if they're safe for human uh, exposure. And um, th because the last I heard it was 85,000 or something, and that was many years ago. So I'll bet you it's way up there. I also have uh, seen statistics that there's about, I think it's five, the equivalent of five 55 gallon drums. So that's 250 gallons a day, roughly, per day of chemicals going into the environment per person in the United States. So that's billions of, of gallons of chemicals going in, whether it's the air, the soil, the water, or food, or products or or whatever it is that's how much chemicals are uh, we're being overloaded with dr russell jaffe you could look that up russell jaffe with uh, perk and he owns a lab uh, eliza act really smart guy he goes around the country lecturing doctors they get their uh, relicensing credits by going to uh, listen to guys like him and he says we're you know virtually or literally uh, marinating in a toxic soup. Now, again, adults, you know, we have we have immune systems, we have detoxification systems, we have, um, you know, things to protect us to process and eliminate a lot of elements, but not this, these kind, and not this amount. And just think about someone who only weighs fifty pounds or forty pounds having to deal with the same quantity that you are. You know, they breathe, they drink, they, their exposure is, and then, and that maybe they have all this additional EMF, electromagnetic frequencies. Um, these are the things that have been uh, attributed to brain cancer and uh, other neurological damage and, um, or, or types of, types of uh, things, you know, problems for people. So I, I know I'm speaking in broad terms, um, but we know that our environment is incredibly important. And that the more that we live a natural, healthy, holistic lifestyle and try to maintain an environment that's free from toxins, including our personal care products, our household cleaning products, um, furniture, outgassing, and, and things like that. And if you, I, I would, I would bet that if you, if you paid attention, maybe even do a little journaling, um, and observe, just be observant. You know, it takes a level of self-awareness and, and concern um, for your own health and then and setting an example. And then your kids could probably turn out pretty good. And a lot of them do anyway. You know, there, there, there's the genetics are also involved. But my God, are we polluting this planet and, 
and our kids, including their brains, if you ask me. I, I, and we're kind of creating, we're, we're making them guinea pigs and that's not fair to them. That's not fair to us. You know, I mean, it's, it's very, yeah. it's kind of crazy. Yeah. We're all part of a big experiment. And like you said, that it's not done yet. So um, yeah, we're, we're the rats. That's we for really sure. Are. Mm -hmm. yeah. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. I mean, that's definitely, that's like I said, it's been part of my story with my kids and it's part of something that I, I try to share with people as well, because it's like, Sure, we we have a liver. We've talked about the liver before. What we talked about on this podcast, you know, um, we can detoxify. But at this amount, I mean, at some point, your body's like, nope, <laughs> you know, like I'm not doing this anymore. Yeah, and and there's different um, genes involved in in how well you um, can detoxify certain certain things. You can certainly get that test done, but just finding out what your body has sequestered. You know, uh, in, in it, these things get stored in your anything that's fat, like the brain is mostly fat. Things get stored in the brain, mm -hmm. in the in organs like the liver, but in your body fat. even, And um, it won't let it go because your body, again, there's this intelligence that, that says, no, keep that sequestered. And so we have to be careful about detoxing. But um and it just doesn't seem right that kids should need these major detoxifications. Maybe they just need to go on and live in a tent in the woods for a couple of weeks <laughs> and see what happens. All right. Yeah, no. And I think, and it's, it's true with, with, when you're talking about detoxing, that is a little tricky for kids, but I do, you know, I often say we don't have an obesity epidemic. We have a toxin epidemic, you know, we have a stress epidemic and fat cells are inflammatory and your toxins got to go somewhere. So I, I think that that's something to keep in mind, even when we're talking about childhood obesity and these things that that's a growing concern too. Is it obesity or is it toxicity? You know, it's just something to really think through. And I, I appreciate you bringing up the conversation of toxins. So before we finish, I would love to know, you know, what's something that you could say to encourage parents, maybe to empower them to advocate for themselves, <laughs> advocate for their kids, and, and also kind of teach their kids to listen to their own bodies and with these things and learn for themselves. Well, that's really a good point and question. You know, some of it um, you can teach them to self-monitor, um, and uh, but I would regulate their environment for some time, especially if they're giving you trouble already. And it's uh, when I see two-year-olds being given antidepressants, I get really, really kind of pissed, pardon me. And I know this whole episode has been kind of me ranting a little bit. <laughs> I'm, really a, I'm really a mellow guy, you know. <laughs> I, have, I have some, you know, most fun most of the time. I'm, I'm happy. Um, but this, is some, for some reason, it's really touching a nerve with me today. You know, um, um, especially because behind the scenes on this whole uh, episode, you know, the, the pandemic, the endemic, you know, the, and the, the fact that we're being um, controlled, you know, the amount of like, we, it's almost like you don't have your freedom and you're not in charge of your own destiny and even your own health, you know, like whose, whose hands should your health be in and your children's it should be in yours. Yeah. And um, mine should be a mine. That's what got me started in this field over 20 years ago was I didn't want anything sneaking up on me. You know, I had some friends uh, dying and um, I said, man, and, you know, parents and, and uncles and aunts and stuff. And I said, and, and they thought they were healthy, but then they croaked, you know, like all of a sudden, you know, it's like, well, man, nothing's going to sneak up on me. I want to be in control of my own health and my own destiny. And that's what started me on this search. And now I'm seeing that, you know, it's not a losing battle, but it's like worse than it's ever been. Um, the, the amount of control of your health and destiny that's being turned over to others yeah. um, who love that control and power um, is frightening, you know, like, um, and, and we have to be really self-aware and kind of, I don't know if the word in term fight back is the right thing, but through education, we can, um, try to exercise more control over our health and that of our kids and our destinies in that sense. You know, if all you get to eat is what they say you get to eat, it's not going to be good. No, nope. it's going to be very unhealthy. You know, just like starting with the schools, 
It's what they say. You, this is what you eat at school. And, you know, then outside of that, we do have some control now, but maybe not forever. If they control everything else, they'll control that too. And they being the, the bad they. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm not scared of anybody or anything, but I am concerned for the masses, you know. Uh, yeah. um, you know, I mean, it's, it's an interesting time period and we are we'll come out on interesting top times yeah this this is real yeah. and, and i agree and i think it, it is hard for us to take control of our own personal health when we're being told certain things or being mandated certain things or being like well this is how it's going to be and this is how you have to do things and and that's and that's hard um and i think for parents that's intimidating because well i, I what do i know i'm just a mom you know and, and so i think it's yeah trusting intuition is really important, you know, trusting your intuition and you know, your kid, you know, when things aren't right. Um, so yeah, I, I think that it's, this is the time, if it's any time to be empowered, to stand up and, and fight for your own health and your family's health, this is the time. So, um, I appreciate yeah. you bringing that up. And I, I don't think it's a, you've been on an, a rant at all. I think that these are all really important topics and topics that need to be discussed. And we have to have these conversations and, start looking at things differently. So again, that's the point of the whole show is to, you know, spark something new in, in somebody's vision and somebody's knowledge. So thank you again for, for being on today. And let's um, talk a little bit about functional diagnostic nutrition real fast, like a, a two minute, you know, um, I, for anybody who wants to do yeah. the testing or I know that they can join your program and do all sorts of testing, all, learn all sorts of awesome things to advocate for themselves, right? Yes, and thank you so much for being uh, gracious. You know, as I as I uh, carried on there a little bit, um, you're you're very gracious and good host, and you're doing really really important work, and uh, we're part of that uh, same movement. So thank you. Um, we have set up a special special URL for your audience. It's FDN dot today fdn dot today slash carry k-e-r-r-y and so anyone who goes to that um on their internet the website uh is going to you know just see what we're all about you know most people including their kids are caught in a cycle of trial and error our job is to end that cycle we're going to run some labs look at what's really going on and then give you some protocols and help you follow those protocols. And when you do that, you will become healthier. Even serious conditions can be overcome. If you've lived yourself into it, you can live yourself out of it. And we're your guides, we're your guides. And we'll make you a hero to your children, families, and um, all kinds of things are possible. And uh, we we'll start with a visit to that website. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you so, so much for being on and sharing your knowledge and all of your years of experience working with people and getting to the root of things. I'm just very inspired myself. Um, so thank you so much. And I appreciate Thanks. you being on. Yeah, my pleasure. It was fun. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to Sparking Wholeness. For more on all things related to nutrition for mind, body, and soul, check out my website, sparkingwholeness.com. Don't forget to be kind and subscribe to this show wherever you listen to podcasts. And to be really kind, you can leave a nice review. I like those.